Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians 6 this morning. I'm glad you're here, and uh, I hope you're glad you're here. And so let's take the Word of God, and uh, wherever the Word of God is preached, wherever God is worshipped and exalted and honored, you are in the right place at the right time. Amen? Say that. You Turn to the person to your left or to your right and say, you're in the right place at the right time. And if you don't find anyone on your left or right then you need to get somebody there, okay? And don't recruit somebody from in here. Get somebody from outside. And we are missing a few people today, but that's okay because you're here. And uh, we're not going to worry about who's not here. We're going we're gonna, to uh, bless and encourage those who are here. And uh, you said, Pastor, uh, you know, there's getting to be more and more people. And uh, we don't get to talk to you as much. Not that anyone said that, but sometimes I think people think that, you know, like, oh, you know, they don't want to bother the pastor. Well, today, it's just us, okay? We're missing a few people, but it's just us. And uh, there's, it's an opportunity just to have some one-on-one uh, interaction, and we can have a good time together here and be encouraged. And you need to find somebody that you normally don't get to talk to and be an encouragement to them. Don't say, well, I wish brother so-and-so was here, or I wish sister so-and-so was here. You might find that you didn't know some of these other people, and they turn out to be a real blessing to you, or you find that you're a blessing to them. And I hope we can do that today. Ephesians chapter 6, let's stand out of respect of the word of the Lord, God's word, uh, God's word. And we're going to read verse number 10, and we'll read all the way down to verse 14 today. And we'll do them all out loud together. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And we'll stop right there. And uh, we need to have on the belt of truth. We saw that last week. The belt of truth. Uh, the devil wants to persuade us to believe lies. There's all kinds of lies that the devil has. And um, he's going to go to extreme and extraordinary measures. He's going to go as far as he can to separate us from the Word of God and limit our contact with the Bible which is objective truth. This word is not just for Christians. This is for all people. This is God's word. Not just, well, now that I'm a Christian, now this applies to me. It always applied to you. It's always applying. It applies to everyone. Whether they want it to or not, it's objective. It's truth for all people. Praise God. But once he separates us from the truth of God's word, he begins to twist 
God's Word. He did that in the Garden of Eden. He did that with Jesus in Matthew 4. He began to tempt Christ, the devil did. He did that in the Garden. He began to say, cast doubt on the character of God. Did God really say that? Actually, God didn't mean that. He meant something else, which is not the truth. This belt of truth is our integrity, and it's the belt of truth that holds everything together. And if we don't have our belt of truth, then everything in our life is going to fall apart. It's not good enough to have a belt if you don't put it on. Sometimes people have a nice belt and, and uh, you know, it's hanging up in the closet. We don't want anything to happen to it. But it's of no use until you put it on. Just like the Word of God, it's not good enough to have a nice Bible. You might say, well, this is a nice Bible. It's, it's leather. This one is, uh, is uh, lambskin. It's nice. But it's of no use to me if I'm not a doer of the Word. We have to not just have the truth, we have to apply the truth to our life. And then uh, the breastplate of righteousness here we see in verse 14. What is he talking about there? This, number one, we've said it twice, this is the whole armor of God. It's not our armor, number one. It's God's. And so the breastplate of righteousness is not our righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's pray. I know you might be thinking, are we going to stand the whole time, Pastor? No. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I pray that you bless the reading of your word, and I pray that you'd help us to declare the truth today, but not just be forgetful hearers. Help us, Lord, to not be, uh, seek to be theologians that don't apply the truth. Help us, Lord, to realize that although we can agree with the truth, it has to be more than agreement. It has to be application. So help us, Lord, to not fill our minds only. Help us to, to take it and grow. As Peter says, the milk of the word. And the purpose is growth. Help us, Lord, to then exhort one another. And preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. Help us to preach the word in love. Help us to speak the truth in love this week, which in our flesh we can speak the truth, but it doesn't have the same impact. The spiritual impact is when we're led of the Holy Spirit and we're doing what you've called us to do in a spirit of love and concern. And I pray that you'd help us today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. The breastplate of righteousness is not our workmanship. It is the Lord's work. It is part of the armor that we put on, but it's a righteousness that is not our own. Our own righteousness is called self righteousness. Go with me to Luke chapter 8, if you would. Luke chapter 18, I'm sorry. Luke 18. 
And we're going to be in a few verses, so um, it would be helpful if you're there with me. Chapter 18 of Luke, and we'll start reading in verse number 9. Self-righteousness. Luke 18, verse number 9. A self-righteous person thinks that they can do no wrong. A self-righteous person goes about with a holier-than-thou attitude. Do you know anyone that, have you experienced that in your life? Maybe you've been guilty of that. Maybe I've, you know, maybe we've done that. And it would be good for us to allow the Holy Spirit to show us where we might have that kind of attitude in our life. Where we go about looking down on others because they don't have the same uh, spiritual convictions that we might have. Or so on. You know, whatever it is that we, we can apply this many ways. But self-righteousness. May we be careful about that. Oh, an attitude of condemnation. I understand that we need to be righteous in our judgments. It's not saying that we can't judge. There's times where we need to be judicious and point out error. But we got to be careful. Jesus talked about hypocrisy a lot. He talked about being careful to not trying to cast out the moat in somebody else's eye while you have a beam. You can't get a toothpick out of somebody's eye when you've got a two-by-six in your eye, right? I mean, come on. That is, that's egregious. God says that, that's hypocrisy and it's wrong. But that doesn't mean that there's times where we do need to deal with sin. That's where wisdom comes in, amen? There's so many sermons where we can just say at the end of the sermon, you know, God, I need wisdom because I don't know how to make this work in my life. But you do, God. God, God is with us, praise God. And we can have comfort and peace in knowing that the, the Holy Spirit is with us, helping us to know how does this apply to my life and to my family's life. And so self-righteousness, that condemnation where we are uh, condemning other people, and rather than, there's a difference between condemnation, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved, right? He came to help people. Uh, restoration was the goal. Uh, I think if we keep that in mind, that does help us. Wisdom says, instead of uh, condemning people who are doing wrong, we need to point out error, but then help restore them to doing what's right. That's the point, okay? Uh, Matthew, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 18, we're there, right? Luke 18, verse number 9. Here's a story, a parable that Jesus gives us that helps us maybe understand this a little better. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. They don't sound like people I really want to hang out with. Right? But let's be careful that we're, we're not already saying this doesn't apply to me. Okay? The Lord needs to point out some things, I think, in our hearts today. Because there's times where we don't think certain things in the Bible apply to us when they clearly do. We're all capable of doing this. The, the heart is, is wicked, it's deceitful. Let us be careful. But the Bible says that there was a certain which trusted in themselves, that are you speaking to them, and they were righteous, they were self-righteous, is what he's saying, and they despised others. 
And he tells them this story. Two men went up to, into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Now, Jesus is speaking to people who understood the difference between a Pharisee and a publican, but let us explain this morning. A Pharisee was a religious person, a man who was self-righteous. He trusted in his good works. He thought he was good enough to, uh, to please God in, him, in himself. You know, uh, he, he wanted everyone in the community also to think of him as being righteous, being good, being better than other people. And then we have, on the other hand, a publican who was a tax collector. He just wasn't uh, very much well received in the community. He was a sinner. People, people looked down upon him. The social structure of that day said this man definitely is a sinner. Although they were both sinners, the community said, this one's a sinner, and this one is a good guy. Although they knew the truth, we all know in our hearts, those that exalt themselves like that, they're not righteous. They're self-righteous. But Jesus says, come on, let's look at these two men. He says, the Pharisee stood, the self-righteous man, he stood and he prayed thus with himself. I think that's there on purpose. He's praying and he's, he's invoking God. He's praying to God with his lips, but it says he's conversing with himself. We kind of say things like, his prayers didn't get past the ceiling. They didn't get any higher than the ceiling. He's praying to be heard. May God help us to be careful with that. But the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. So he's listing some sins there. People who extort, people that, are, uh, un, that, people that are unjust, people that are adulterers. By the way, did you know that you don't have to commit physical acts of sin to be guilty even? Because Jesus is concerned, in the New Testament we hear, that he's concerned with the spirit of the law as well. Sometimes we say, well, I haven't broken the letter of the law. I have not physically done some of those sins. But Jesus says, if you hate your brother, you're, you're guilty of, a, of murder. And if you look upon a woman with lust, you're guilty of adultery. And these are sins of the heart. And in the book of James, James tells us if you're guilty in one part, you're guilty of breaking the whole thing. So we're lawbreakers. But here he is in a tone of condemnation. The Pharisee says, God, thank you for not making me like those bad people. Thank you that I'm not like this publican. And he goes on, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing, Jesus says, and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but he smote upon his breast, saying, God, 
be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, his posture was totally different. He's not like the Pharisee over here who is lofty and high and self-righteous. And the publican over here is being honest as much as he can, and he won't even lift his eyes to heaven. And he says, God, be merciful to me because I am a sinner. That, my friend, is the prayer that God listens to. I tell you, Jesus says, I tell you, this man, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. There are many in this world who are religious, but they are lost. Why? Because they are trusting their good works. They're trusting their goodness. And my friend, that is a faulty trust. There are those in this world, on the other hand, who would not be considered to be religious at all, but yet God says, they're my children because they came to me in their humility and in their honest assessment of themselves. And Jesus says here, For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. What is he saying? God resisteth the proud but he giveth grace unto the humble. Praise God for that truth. And it's not in our righteousness. You might be self-righteous if you look down on other people. You might be self-righteous if you compare yourself and your spiritual performance with others. You might be self-righteous if your prayers rarely, if ever, contain heartfelt personal conviction. We need to weep before God in repentance. We are so needy. But that goes against American ideology where we're better. We can't fail. We're, we're so great. My friends, America needs a dose of humility. Americans need humility. We might be self-righteous if we feel sorry for ourselves. Self-righteousness can be displayed in self-pity as well. Sometimes we, we take the posture even of the publican where we're like, oh, I'm just so terrible, I'm so bad, I'm so bad. But in our heart, we don't believe that. We're not honest, really, with God. We're just self but We want to get people to feel sorry for us. Any prayer that is done before men is not for God. Any, uh, anything done for men or if to be seen of men is not for God. You might be self-righteous when challenged about disobedience or sin, and you become defensive rather than repentant. There is not one person who doesn't need correction. I need, I need correction at times, and you need correction at times. 
you might be an adult and you might have uh, found success. You might have, uh, in the world's eyes, you might have a house. You might have cars. You might have raised children. You might have run a business successfully. You might be a good boss. You might be considered a good person by other people. But all of us need correction and help and direction at times. That's why we say, God, give me wisdom. Because we don't always make the right decisions, do we? But when we're challenged about uh, our sin and we become defensive, what is that? That is pride bristling up. That is pride rearing its head up. And and we're saying, I don't need your help. That's self-righteousness. We see it as an attack rather than realizing that somebody is loving us and they're concerned enough for us that they would tell us something. And it might be inconvenient for them. It might be uncomfortable for them. But they love us enough to correct us. And we need to humble ourselves before God and say, God, thank you for the love of others in my life. Somebody that would actually say something. You might be self-righteous if you've spent the last few minutes thinking about how this applies to someone else rather than repenting and looking to Christ yourself. My friend, we don't have to wait till the altar call to get things right with the Lord. Confess those things to God. Isaiah 64, verse number 6. But we are all... Why don't you turn there? Let's do that. You know, we're, we're done here in Matthew for, or Luke for now. So let's turn to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 64. Like, give me a second to take a drink here. Need some water. Isaiah 64, verse number 6. All the way back in the Old Testament. There's so much in the Old Testament that we don't get to cover. But there is so much there that applies to us in 2022. Isaiah 64, 6. But we are, and I have it highlighted, we are all as an unclean thing. We don't like to hear that. When we need to be cleaned up, we take, uh, physically, we take a bath or a shower. <sighs> yeah, we need, we need some cleansing at times, right? I try to do it regularly. And sometimes I'm aware when I really need, especially after a week of camp, I was in... Hillsborough, Pastor Reedsburg this week preaching at camp and when they're doing all those activities and running around, third through sixth graders don't always think about bathing. And so we're aware that physically we do need to be cleaned up regularly, but why not spiritually? Because we're all spiritually as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses, verse 6, all not just some, all, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. What does that mean? Our goodness in God's eyes is not good at all. It's not sort of good. You might be saying, well, you know, you know I'm not like that person. That person definitely is not good. But I haven't done those things. Uh, Remember, 
If we're guilty of one sin that condemns us, we're lawbreakers, we're sinners. One lie makes us a liar. You might be saying, well, it's just a little white lie, you know? I just stretched the truth a little bit. Okay, well, thank you for your honesty. You're a liar. Pastor, that's not very nice to say that. You shouldn't be saying that to people at church. Well, where do you want me to say it? Well, Pastor, you should go down to, uh, to the jail and tell them that they're sinners and liars. Well, what makes them any different than you or I? Okay, we just got the cookies on the lower shelf this morning. Now we're, we're about to, uh, we're about to uh, preach today, okay? We're about to look at reality. Real, spiritual reality. We need to get a, a good dose of spiritual reality in our life on a regular basis, not just on Sunday, but every day. We need to get into the Word of God. Who, uh, the Word of God is a mirror. It's a mirror. It shows us who we really are. The Holy Spirit points out to us our infirmities, our iniquities, our transgressions, all of our spiritual problems. And praise God for the mirror. I love, I love conviction. I don't love it, and I love it. It's uh, almost just one of those things that you don't enjoy it, but praise God for it. God is speaking to us. God cares enough to correct us. That is uh, salvation assurance, because God doesn't discipline the devil's children. But my friend, the most important thing that we need to realize today is if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are trusting maybe this morning in self-righteousness. You're trusting in the church or good works, something that's a man-made mechanism to get to heaven. My friend, there's only one man who was perfect. There's only one man who is righteous, and that is Jesus Christ. And we need to put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Put on the whole armor of God, His truth, His righteousness, not self-righteousness. Self-righteousness won't get you any farther than the ceiling this morning. He says in Isaiah 64, 6, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. You know, I said, that's not very loving. Doesn't God love us? Oh, yes, he does. He loves us enough to tell us the truth. And he says, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. If you live up to God's standard of perfection, or if you fail, I'm sorry, if you fail to live up to God's standard of perfection once a day, that would come to 365 sins a year. So far, right? We're, we're, you're with me. On leap year, that would be 366, right? Uh, uh, almost 26,000 sins in the average lifetime. And by the way, most people sin more than once a day on average. Just imagine if you're standing before our holy, righteous creator, and he says, you are guilty of breaking my law 26,000 times in your life. Some might answer God in self-righteousness and say, oh, yes, I broke the law, but I'm not as bad as others. Look at the good things that I have done. 
Some think that God throws our sins on a scale and he throws our goodness on a scale and somehow if we're better than bad, we will outweigh our sin with righteousness. Remember, self-righteousness is a faulty trust. And some might try to tell God, I know I've sinned, but I'm not as bad as others. I've done good things. Their only defense is that while they were breaking the law, they also did some things that they were supposed to be doing all along. It's like someone who gets caught stealing a car and say, well, when I stole the car, yes, judge, I stole the car, but when I was driving that stolen car, I had my seatbelt on. And I didn't go one mile per hour above the speed limit. You might be saying that's a dumb illustration. Well, I think it paints a good picture of how we think sometimes. We justify ourselves. We say, I'm not as bad as those other people. And my friend, the breastplate of righteousness is not a set of accomplishments that we create for ourselves. Rather, it is something that God has given to us to put on. Paul is describing the righteousness that God has given us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul says, For he hath, who? God the Father, hath made him, who? Jesus the Son, uh, God the Son. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin. Jesus didn't know sin. He was, uh, he was a, a sinless lamb, the perfect lamb of God. And he, he came into this world in perfection. He lived and walked in this world in perfection. And he died for sinners. Oh, my friend, uh, Jesus is that gift from God for all mankind because we're not righteous. But he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See, it's not my righteousness. It's God's righteousness, Jesus. We put on Jesus Christ. Have you put on Jesus Christ? Have you received that gift of salvation? See, it's not, I need to try harder. I need to do do more. Uh, I'm not doing enough. I got to get with the program because, you know, God's going to look at my life and he's going to say, look how much you haven't done. Look at how much you've done wrong. No, my friend, you need to come to God in your condition just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And we need to put on that breastplate of Christ's righteousness. Jesus is our substitute. He was made to be sin for us. God uh, changes us from the filthy to the clean. He takes us from being guilty to innocent in Christ by making Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us. He is our propitiation. He is our substitute. He is our righteousness and he satisfies the holiness of God and he satisfies the wrath of God. And when God sees a sinner who has been made righteous by Jesus, God no longer sees a self-righteous sinner, but he sees his righteous son. God only sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ when we put on the breastplate of righteousness. Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. Number 279 in your hymn book as Mrs. Hoover comes. His robes for 
mine. Number 279. Find it. And when you find it, if you would bow your head with me, close your eyes. We'll sing the song in just a second, but first I want to ask a few questions. If you would, let's stand together with every head bowed and every eye closed. First of all, if you're able to, if you're able to raise your hand with me on this question, would you raise your hand? Friend, can you honestly say that you've been forgiven of your sins by Jesus? Can you honestly say that you're not trusting your works or your baptism or goodness? Can you honestly say that you're not trusting self-righteousness to get you into heaven, but that there was a day where you called upon the name of Jesus Christ and you received his righteousness? You exchanged robes, his robes for mine. Can you say, I know Jesus as my personal Savior with uplifted hand as a testimony before God? I know that I know that Jesus is my Savior, and I'm putting my trust in Him. This isn't arrogance. This isn't, uh, you know, some kind of, uh, any kind of thing where we, are, we could ever point to ourselves. As the Bible says that, uh, uh, that we are saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For God so loved the world that He gave, and I know it's a gift of God, and I'm trusting Jesus Christ. You can put your hand down. If you were not able to honestly raise your hand, do not wait around until a more convenient time. You need to get saved. You may never get the chance. You may never hear the truth again. You may never come to Christ if you don't get saved today. If you mean business and you want to get saved this morning, you can walk this aisle. I know Brother Ben, if you would come, and Brother, uh, Brother Ben is going to be down here help you be able to take the Word of God or have another counselor take the Word of God. He'll find somebody that can show you and would be happy to receive you. We'll be happy to show you the Word of God, how that you can know that Jesus, His righteousness, His blood has cleansed you and you are saved. I would ask that you come. In just a moment, we're going to pray. And as soon as I say amen, Christian, you come. You might say, I'm saved, but I haven't taken living for God seriously. I'm saved, and I haven't been baptized yet, or I'm saved, and I'm not a member of a good church. You come. You talk to, to myself. I love to talk to you, Christian. Walk this aisle. Talk to me this morning. I'd be happy to show you uh, how we can get you involved, how we can get you uh, baptized. But Christian, you come. If you're not saved this morning, you're not a Christian, you come. Father, Lord, I pray that you bless your word. Thank you for this day that you've given to us. We pray that you'd be honored and glorified. We pray that your word would, would bring conviction. The spirit would bring conviction today. I pray for the lost. I pray for those that need to get saved and find Jesus this morning, their savior. Not something to tack on, not something to add to their collection, but rather that we would see Jesus Christ as he is, the Savior of the world, the only way to the Father. There's only one way to heaven. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Father, I pray that you make that very clear this morning. I pray for those that are lost, that they come and get saved today. I pray for the Christian, that you would help them, help them this morning to take the next step. Oh, thank you, God, for uh, being able to be part of a local church. And I pray that you bless all that is said and done in this invitation time. In Jesus' name, amen. You come, you come, you come.